The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini. We've got a busy hour ahead of us here. We're going to talk about having an energy-efficient, well-sealed home. That's really good, right? Well, what about that proper air exchange that you're hearing about more and more? We're going to tell you about that and discuss HRV, heat recovery ventilation, and how that's going to be really mainstream very soon in all homes across the country. Also, a very new approach to washing your clothes, this washer and dryer. I'm going to tell you about, yes, just one unit. I'm going to tell you brand new and how that might be just what you're looking for. Also, a few painting tips on fiberglass doors and more basement renovation tips, emails. And Joe, what about that simple solution coming up? I've got a really easy way to pull nails even when the heads have snapped off of them. Because if you ever tried pulling a nail when the head's off, it's a much more difficult chore. But with this simple solution, you know, you can pull it out as easily as any other nail. All right. That sounds good. That sounds real good. Hey, we also want to really make everybody aware, and I'm sure you are, that it's Veterans Day weekend. and It um, is, yes. It, we really want to take the time and uh, whoever served in the military that you know through your friends or family or whatever, they need to be uh, appreciated and know that they're appreciated. And uh, even though you might have this whole crusty uncle or this old tough grandfather or whatever that served in the war, they, hey, yeah, they don't care about all that. They do take the time to say that. Joe, jo, do you know that Veterans Day actually started in 1947 in Birmingham, Alabama? Did it really? Sure did. I always have to question, whenever something happens, Danny always says it happened in Alabama. So <laughs> I, I, you're sure about that? And everybody that's famous was born in Mobile, Alabama. That's right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it, uh, it was, and, uh, you know, it, it, it had, had a little bit of an evolution, you know, um, over the years with right. how they did it and when they did it and things like that. But, but you know, it's, it tr- it's truly an opportunity for us to pause and really uh, show our appreciation. I actually have a quote that I that I found that I thought was pretty cool that, you know, if you're looking to, you know, write someone a little note or something like this, or right. just an overall statement, it says, thank you for your sacrifices, for your valor, for the things you carry, for protecting us and for defending our rights. That kind of sums it up right there. Does, you know, that's, yeah. that's what it's all about. And uh, now you and I never served um, in the service. Uh, uh, you had a close call though. You only missed it by a just a call. little bit yeah. in that draft yeah. there. Yeah, I I was when the last year of the draft I was too young to be drafted and just the very next year I was would have been eligible but I was still in college and and uh, there was no draft and but both our fathers served and my dad was very proud he was in the navy I know your dad was in the army my dad was a remodeling contractor so he always had trucks he never owned anything but a pickup truck and he had a license plate that just said US Navy that was bolted to the back of every <laughs> every truck he ever had and uh, he 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 left high school at 17. He lived in the Bronx, um, had never been out of New York, really. And at 17, he joined the Navy, 
found himself in California on a ship and in the Sea of China within a couple of weeks. Oh, Imagine wow, that. Man. Yeah. And that's not a that's a pretty typical story of young men in those days. Well, what an era that was, you know, and I yeah. and I can remember though I'm a couple years younger, um I can remember uh the draft and the whole aspect of that. Yeah. Uh, you get you get something in the mail and then you show yeah. up and then they cut all your hair off, uh, which was a pretty significant thing back in the mid seventies, uh, if you know yeah, what I mean. That's right. And um, and 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 then you go off to this foreign country. I mean, that's just unbelievable what the servicemen did for us and all that. Of course, but as you mentioned, my father was in the uh, army, and of course, uh, we know a famous. Uh, well, kind of famous within my family, um, Uncle Rex. Uncle oh, Rex. Uncle served, Rex. Yes, I met Uncle Rex. Yeah, that's right. Served in the uh, the Navy, and um, even though he's a hundred and one years old, wow, he can sit there and tell you some of the 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 little smallest little details of things about a ship and and yeah. being here and you didn't like it because he couldn't see what was going on because he was down to, and so he lobbied <laughs> to go up here and he traded with you know i mean all yeah. of these little things I'm, I'm just sitting there I, I i can't hear enough of all of these little inside details of what happened on a ship in the war uh yeah. communication um and he was um on the ship the directly beside I don't know all the details directly beside the ship where the surrender was um, uh, was signed and everything. Oh, wow. when they surrendered in World War Two. Yeah. And uh, he was on the ship adjacent to that, which you can imagine the celebration oh, and the oh, yeah. jubilation uh, behind all of that. And of course, you had probably, uh, I don't know, three or four thousand people there on one ship. So you. You're probably uh, bumping into one another and that kind of thing. But anyway, um, happy uh, Veterans Day. Make sure you take the time to tell um, any veteran in your life how much you appreciate them. So, um, well, anyway, Joe, we've got um, a lot of things we're going to be covering over this next hour. I, I sure have got my hands full. This uh, whole um, retirement uh, attempt um, right. <laughs> is, uh, is not sitting in the chair. And I don't want it to be. i got so right. many different things going on. But I'll tell you what, it is very satisfying when you... You have something in the back of your mind. You have a project that you've been wanting to do. And all of a sudden, you're doing that project. And I, I, like um, the demolition of my old office building and things like that. Right, yeah. That I've been wanting to do. That, that's been on my list for 10 years. Wow. And in the course of three days, boom, it's, it's done. done. It's yeah. like, wow. But how often on a radio show have you said, you know, what are you waiting for when, to like repaint your front door? Just do it. Only take I, a, you've been waiting two years and it'll be over in an and, hour. And that's my point, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, you, you, you put things, oh, I need to get to that. Oh, the weather's not right. Oh, you know, you worry about all these kind of things and then you get it done. And it's just like um, our, our homeowners and our audience talk about all the time. If I'd have known it was that easy and it that's was going right. to be that quick, I'd have done it a long <laughs> time ago. Same here. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. And of course, I'm uh, finally making a trek down to uh, start getting my river cabin back in shape. With me building my house, I kind of neglected my little river yeah. cabin that I've had for 40 years. And um, What do you need to do now? I've been there well, once uh, or twice. And, and how, when was that built? Do you know? Well, did, you, um, you, did you build it or was oh, it Oh, yeah. I built, built that. It. Okay. I built that in 1983. Wow. Yeah. So it's been there and a while. I, I finished it in 1984. And the first gathering I ever had that was 4th of July. Oh, so this next 4th of July in 2024 will be the 40th anniversary wow. of the that River Cabin. Great. So, so How many floods has that survived and still standing strong? Yeah, yeah. Well, it fortunately never got um, into the cabin, but just down oh, below good. it there. And yeah, yeah there's, there's been um, a number of those because it's on a river that does 
flood a fair amount because it's a small river. But um, but you got to think too, the materials I used then probably only ten percent of them were new, right? So most of them were probably forty or fifty or sixty years old. <laughs> so some of the materials in that cabin, we're I'm sure, than you. Yeah. are a hundred years old. You know, yeah. uh, so that's a but. But we um, have a water issue down there and trying to get uh, our pump to work. So oh. having to meet everybody, uh, the pump guy down there, and have a little bit of digging we got to do, and a few things like that. So you know, just uh, kind of that maintenance to get it back nice and comfortable. Because I really plan on using it a lot. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun down there during the fall and winter. Um, right. You know, and walking around. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to a lot of the projects that I have um, um, coming around here. There's always things that uh, to be done. And I'm looking forward uh, to every one of them. How about you? You working on anything that's fun? Well, I had all new uh, stone staircase and porch built on the front of our house. It's all granite. And I wanted to uh, seal it. And so I've been doing that in stretches because it takes a while. You know, to, you have to clean it all. Then you have to wet, wait for it to dry. Then you apply one coat of sealer. You have to wait like four to six hours and apply another. And with oh, the wow. rain coming and going, it's just been a little harder to do. I have one last section. But it's amazing. I have like three quarters of it already sealed with two coats of really good sealer. When it rains, the part that's sealed still stays almost white, which is what the, the granite's kind of like a... Uh, almost a white color mm -hmm. in this area that I haven't sealed it turns dark gray uh, just so, from the rain soaking in yeah because when you put amazing, sealer you see on it. you're really not sure am I doing any good I know, at all but when you see you that see effect it. you know yeah. that it is really so doing that's well. the importance of sealing stone outside because you don't want water getting in there and freezing and starts cracking joints and everything else hey we're just getting started here on today's homeowner so glad you're with us when we come back we're going to talk about the importance of having the right ventilation inside your home you're listening to today's home on radio Today's homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. You know, Joe and I really do appreciate all the wonderful stations that have been with us for years and years airing our Today's Homeowner Radio Show, including WNTCAM 790 in Ashland City, Tennessee. A lot of listeners there in, the, in and around the Tennessee area. We appreciate that, and we want to help you out. Let me tell you how. Just Give us a call at 800-946-4420, or you can send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're heading up to Michigan. Richard, welcome to the show, and tell us what's going on around your house. Hey, guys, thanks. Uh, well, first off, congratulations on your successful career journey in retirement. Oh, and well, I appreciate that. To you guys. Thank you. I appreciate uh, and I wanna, that. Thank you. I want to thank you both You know for everything that you've done so, so many, many years helping uh, all of owners like myself um, to fix things around the house um, or at least give us some good directions, you know, and Joe's simple solutions. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Richard. We appreciate that. <laughs> I've been watching, listening to you guys forever, uh, whenever possible. And even back in the days, I recorded you guys on the VHS, Danny. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> just because while I was working, I couldn't see the show. So, I mean, right. so it's been a while. Oh, wow. So many, many thanks, guys. We appreciate that. It's been a great journey. I'll tell you that. I bet you it has. <laughs> yes. Um, here, here's what's going on, guys. I got a single-story house. It's about 1,800 square feet. Um, it's, uh, I got a walkout basement, and three sides of the basement, obviously, is underneath the grave. Um, yeah, I, 
I've had this house for quite some time. I've sealed it all up. Um, you know, I've got two bathrooms, uh, kitchen island vent. Um, there's so many vents in there and dryers. It's just like a negative pressure in the house. Um, and mm-hmm. in order to fix that, I got to open the door or the window in order to kind of make things work somewhat. But it defeats yeah. the purpose of having it so insulated and sealed up. Um, I just looking for a solution to get some makeup air, I guess, into the house somehow without just putting an open, you know, hole or pipe or something through there that lets bugs and such in. Yeah, Richard, you're right. That's an issue with these tightly buttoned up houses, right, Danny? We've, we're encouraging people to, you know, pump in more insulation and seal up your houses. Yep. But then it's like, okay, now, wait a minute. The houses aren't breathing. Yep. Um, so there, has, there is a solution, which Danny will tell you about in a second. There is a solution specifically for the problem you're having. And and this is something that um, commercially in commercial building, they started addressing a number of years ago. And then different areas of the country are starting to require in residential situations the introduction of outside air. But let's think about it, especially sitting there in Michigan is going to be pretty cold there before you know it. And the idea of pumping cold air into your house. Now, that doesn't make sense. How does that make sense efficiency wise? Well, well, I was working with our friends at um, Braun Newton for many years, and uh, they were kind of very um, instrumental in um, developing um, heat recovery ventilation units, uh, HRVs. And I was really intrigued by this. And um, ha- have you ever heard of that before, Richard? Yes, I have heard of that. Okay. I mean, I mean, basically, um, to put it in very simple terms, it's like a, a box, and it has like a heat exchanger type um configuration inside and you're exhausting air out but while it's doing that and going through this diaphragm and so forth it's retaining those that heat and mm-hmm. then the air from the outside comes in and and they're not exchange they're, they're not um in the same tube if you will the outgoing air is just leaving some heat behind the cold incoming air is taking advantage of that heat and moving on into the house. So extremely energy efficient. You're not spending a lot of money on this because it's it's nothing more than just a, a small fan. Um, the installation is extremely easy and they're really not that expensive. But um, that is something you're going to hear about a lot more and a lot more regulations and codes will start requiring this more and more. But I believe that's I believe that might be just the the trick in order to to maintain your energy efficiency, but to get some good fresh air in there to improve that indoor air quality. So I would look at some of the uh, HRVs and just see, um, you know, and, and call around uh, where you live there. You'll find someone that's really tuned in on this. Just go go try to find that person that's experienced on it. And uh, I think you'll have a good result on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, now here's the other thing where that is at. The mechanical room is down there the farthest um, in it's below grade. So to get outside, because uh, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, bringing a tube or something, you know, uh-huh, exhaust another uh-huh. pipe, would we have to go through that concrete and come up the side of the house type thing to do that? Yeah, you got to get to the outside at some point. But an experienced guy like this, there's a lot of uh, retrofit um, innovations that you can do there. And uh, mm-hmm. it may it may be that you can just turn, uh, get just above grade, kind of like a dryer vent and just turn right. out right there to be able to get the air that you need just so that it gets in through the um, HRV and moves through the house. Okay. 
Yeah, Richard, they typically go through the rim joists. Um, that'd be unusual for them to have to go through the concrete, um, even though one side of your house is exposed, got the walkout basement. And it, just one last thing, um, it is typically called an HRV, as Danny said, heat recovery ventilator. But in different parts of the country, sometimes it's called an ERV, which is energy recovery ventilator, or an MVHR, which is a mechanical ventilation heat recovery. But they're all the same thing. So okay. in case you, know, you hear it's called something else, it's basically the same thing. Okay. All right. All right. But that would definitely solve the problem. Well, I do appreciate it, guys. And once again, thank you. And I wish you nothing but the best, both of you guys. Congratulations again, you know, for everything. Thanks, Rich. And enjoy your well-deserved retirement, guys. Thank you very much. We, we certainly appreciate those kind words, Richard. And uh, if we can help you again in these few weeks we have left, don't hesitate to give us a call. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> okay. You take care. All righty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Boy, that sounds like a terminal illness or something. The few weeks we've got left. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, and it sounds like Danny's taking me with him. We're not, you know, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. I'm ready to retire. <laughs> I'm old enough to retire. I'm just not sure I'm ready. No, I don't blame you. You got you got a lot going on there. Hey, I want to remind you that this is Heat Your Home Week here at Today's Homeowner. You can find some great energy efficiency tips from our friends at American Standard by just simply dropping by todayshomeowner.com slash heat your home. There's a lot of information there. And as we're heading into this heating season, I know you'll find a few things on this particular uh, site that'll help you save some money in heating bills, make your family a lot more comfortable and be able to allow your heating system to work as efficiently and safely as it should. Again, that's todayshomeowner.com slash heat your home. And thanks again from our friends at American Standard. Pretty timely too. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'm here in Connecticut. We've been waking up to 30 degree temperatures already. I so. know. Uh, well, now, now's, now's the time to get those units ready and get everything ready, ready to go because uh, the guys will get busy. The guys will yep. get real busy there when that first real cold snap and it's right around the corner for a lot of different areas so um, very much uh, be a good time to take care of that let's grab a quick email here lewis from indiana says the concrete floor in our basement is painted i'd like to install peel and stick vinyl tiles do i have to remove all of the paint first if so how well joe i don't think um lewis would really have to do that as much as um, just make sure there's no peeling paint. If there's no peeling, you know, if there's no peeling paint, basically I would just say, you know, make sure it's clean. You don't want any grease or any residue on there that would keep the peeling sticks from sticking. Just make sure it's good and clean and dust free and grease free. And I think you can proceed right on um, and install it right over the concrete. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're assuming that there's no moisture issue. You know, if you got a lot of moisture problem, and that's causing the paint to blister, then you're going to have to solve that first. And in that case, you'd want to remove the paint in that area and seal it really well. But yeah, I agree with Danny. If the paint's well adhered, uh, I would just go right over it. And vinyl tiles are easy to work with. You can stick them down one at a time. But sheet vinyl's often a better choice. It's a little harder to install, perhaps, but this way you're covering the entire thing. You don't have to worry about seams. And um, so and you might want to consider that as well. Hey, um, prior to our last show that we're doing here, um, I, hopefully our engineer, Brad, can loop a few things together. Like, I agree with Danny on that. <laughs> I agree with Danny on that. Then Danny you can put is it on right. your phone. You can put it on your phone and share it. Share it with your wife, Sharon. That's what 20 I want to do. Twenty times that's, a day. That's what I want to do. Yeah, uh, get on that, Brad Rogers. <laughs> I, I need. I need a loop tape on that one. I'll, I'll get a lot of mileage out of that. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, I'll tell you about this wild, cool, brand new 
washer and dryer you won't believe. You're listening to today's homeowner radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our best new product segment, brought to you by the Home Depot, how doers get more done. You know, occasionally someone decides to completely rethink a product from the ground up, and that's exactly what GE has done with the washer and dryer. What can you do to a washer and dryer to make it different? Well, the GE Profile Combo Washer and Dryer with heat pump technology is a ventless two-in-one washer dryer that's designed to make daily life a lot simpler. Because it's a single machine, it saves a lot of space and eliminates the need to transfer clothes from the washer to the dryer. Now I've got your attention. The heat pump drying feature means there's no need for a gas hookup, a heating element, or a dryer vent. Wait a minute. In fact, 120-volt outlet is all you need to get 50% more energy-efficient drying than with conventional dryers. Plus, this type of drying is also gentle enough for even the most delicate clothes. So for more information on this GE Combo washer and dryer with heat pump technology, log on to homedepot.com. What? How's that possible without a vent? I don't know. I always wonder. Where's all that link go? I, I, I know. I always wondered about why somebody has not um, created something like this. And it looks like yeah. GE went all out on this. Uh, yeah. Um, that, that's cool. So, um, you know, you think about the savings of the space, you know, laundry rooms right. are always crowded. Now, all of a sudden you have this new space there that you can use for shelving or cabinets or, you know, golf clubs, you know, that's kind of important place for them, your <laughs> golf clubs right there. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, yeah. it, it's, that's pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, I've seen traveling through Europe all these years, I've seen plenty of combination machines, um, but they still vented uh-huh, I know. out somewhere. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Well, yeah. well, I guess it, um, I'm sure they have a, you know, a lint filter, of course, uh, right. uh, you know, an internal filter and yeah. so forth. But anyway, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. I'm going to read up a little bit more on that. Hey, we've gotten a lot of great emails this week. We'd love to get one from you. Today's homeowner.com slash ask. This came in from Danny in California. It says, I have a fiberglass exterior door that I had spray painted. Unfortunately, the company that installed the doors didn't have the windows tightened all the way. This must be like a window insert in the door. And they they shifted a little bit and ruined the paint around the frame, showing the primer in certain spots. Can I brush these areas without the brush mark showing against the sprayed areas? I'm thinking it can't be done, and I will need to have the doors resprayed. Please help us if you can. And uh, Danny sent in a photo, and we see what we're talking about here. And and, uh, I, I I don't think you have to spray it for such a small thing like that. It seems like just a little bit of sanding, just really light right where it is. And then I would break out the little artist brush and, or, you know, a tiny little paintbrush and yeah. just repaint it, um, you know, making sure that you're not putting too much paint on, have good lighting, step back and look at it, might have to put two coats. But uh, I think it's a pretty simple fix. 
Yeah, and I think putting a little Floetrol, which was talked about in the past, uh-huh. it's it's a product that you add the paint. Mostly it's when you're spraying paint, but it works if you're using a brush as well. And it allows the paint to really float out and level out beautifully. Now, you may have to lay this door horizontally, take it off the hinges and lay it flat. It would certainly be easier, um, other than the fact you had to take your door off the house. Um, but that's what I would do. I'd add the Floetrol and uh, mix it in, follow the directions, and then as Danny said, use a tiny brush to just um, fill in that area that's now just primer. And just a little tip from a pro is once you finish painting, put the door back on the hinges. You don't want to leave it off overnight. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, you know, weather, animals, you know, bad guys, just that kind of thing is not good to have the door. No, open yeah, put the door back. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Okay, another email here from Marilyn. We recently removed a wall between our living room and kitchen, but now we have two different ceilings. One is smooth and the other has a swirled texture to it. We'd like to make both ceilings smooth. How do we remove the texture from the ceiling? Well, I'll tell you, um, sometimes texture on a ceiling comes off pretty easy. The sprayed popcorn ceiling yep. uh, can be removed fairly easily, especially um, if they have not been painted, which most of them have not. That's usually something that they do, you know, years after they've been installed and after the texture has been sprayed on it. However, the swirl pattern like that um, is nothing more really than drywall compound that's right. swirled yep. onto the ceiling. Um that's something that probably needs to be sanded. So, Joe, do, how would you approach something like that? Would you just yeah. put on the mask and the and and the hood and go at it with the sander, or would you think of um, drywall compound over the whole area, or maybe a combination of both? Yeah, I'm not sure I'd try sanding because could you imagine what a mess it would take forever. I think I'd first I'd try spraying it with some warm water, let it soak in and see if you can scrape it off. If it's just the raw joint compound that's swirled, that would probably soften it up. You might be able to get it off. If it's been painted, which is probably the case, I'm assuming it's been painted, then it'd be harder for the water to soak through the paint to get to the joint compound to soften it. But I'd at least try that. And if that were the case, then that would be a lot easier. You can get a pump-up sprayer with some nice warm water and spray a, a section, maybe four foot square, let it soak in a little bit, scrape it off and move on. Um, but you're right. The other thing is just skim coat the entire ceiling with new joint compound. Just go right over it the new ceiling, the old ceiling, do everything. And then you're starting from scratch. But that would require a professional to come in because that's uh-huh. a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but not a lot of work for them. You know, they can... Right, uh, not for them. They do it all the time. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you a piece of advice here is I would take a, um, a long straight edge, like a four foot or six foot level or just a really good straight piece of lumber. And I would hold it right up against that area where the wall came out. You might be surprised that there's more of a dip there or recess there than the eye will show you. Um, And that's very important that that all be surfaced out. I know one of the best drywall guys I've ever seen, he he would spread like a a joint like that. You know, I would think, okay, 12, maybe 16 inches. Right. He would be two to three feet wide right. sometimes yep. because he can see it and he could tell and he'd put the straight edge there. And so I got to fill this in because after you get it all sanded and primed and painted and everything, that's one of the advantages of a textured ceiling. It'll hide those little flaws and defects that you might right. have in the surface, but a smooth ceiling will not hide anything. It'll really highlight any of those problems that you have in that regard. 
Yeah, one thing I wanted to add, if you're gonna scrape a ceiling or a wall or anything, always use a putty knife with rounded corners. If it's a metal one, you can round them with a, with a file or with a bench grinder. I usually use a plastic one because it's easier. Because if you have those pointed corners, you're surely gonna, surely gonna gouge the ceiling and you wanna avoid that. That's right, a lot more information coming up. We're gonna take a short break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host Joe Truini. And Joe and I really do appreciate your support over the years. We've built an amazing radio show, an amazing radio network because of you. People that really want some realistic home improvement information and our audience has been growing every single year. So we appreciate that and uh, we're going to keep it going strong here right to the end of the year and plenty of time for you to be able to send us um, an email if you'd like. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We've gotten some unbelievable emails, some that are just saying, hey, thanks for what you do and hey, we appreciate that and uh, you know, um, even though you won't be on the air, continue to keep Joe straight. There's a few of those. <laughs> yeah, so. I thought you were going to say thanks for taking Joe off the air. I'm sorry you had to retire to do that, but we're glad he's gone. <laughs> but over over the weeks ahead, and particularly on our last show, we'll tell you some things that you never heard before, some things that have happened behind the scenes and some of the wonderful, wonderful things that have happened along the way. And uh, just so that we close out strong and what a, what a, great time of the year uh, to be talking about some fun things like that with sure. it being the family and the holidays and everything yep. else. So again, we just want you to know how much we appreciate you spending time talking with us, sending emails, calling the hotline. All of that has made made it work. It's not just Joe and I or our guys behind the scene. It's certainly you, our listener, and our wonderful radio stations and our sponsors that have made this whole thing possible. Hey, let's get right to some emails right now. We're going to North Carolina. Mike is asking... Hi, Danny. I bought an old cabin in the mountains of North Carolina that has an elevated deck off the back. Unfortunately, the deck is in pretty rough shape, so I have to replace the stair stringers and a few of the beams and joists. Rather than using pressure-treated lumber, I was wondering if there's any engineered lumber that can be used on an exterior project like my deck. Well, that's a pretty good question there, Mike. First of all, I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to use pressure-treated lumber. That is the most accepted type of um, exterior lumber like that. I mean, cedar can be used a lot of times, but it's not as, you know, as structural as you need. But, Joe, what about, um, you know, engineered lumber, a pretty broad category, could mean laminated veneer lumber beams. It could mean uh, cellular PVC. It could mean a lot of those kind of things, but I'm not sure there's anything out there that he would be able to use for stair stringers and the beams. I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure. What do you think? Well, they do make, there are companies starting to make for the last few years, pressure treated um, engineered lumber, mm-hmm. specifically designed for, for use outdoors. It basically is used to replace pressure treated lumber. And I'm sure it's more expensive, but sometimes they carry more weight, meaning you can span greater distances and they're perfect you know, they're not warped or cracked or no knots, something like that. Um, but you're right. The first question is, why not just use pressure treated lumber? Maybe 
this is an old pressure treated deck and you just want something more durable. Um, there are a couple of companies. The one that I know is called Pacific Wood Tech, T-E-C-H, um, Pacific Wood Tech. And they make LVLs, laminated veneer lumber. Um, and they make beams, columns, joists. Um, they make them in nominal sizes, just like two by sixes and two by eight. So you can match it with standard lumber. Again, I'm not sure how much they are. I know most of the LVLs I've bought are pretty expensive, oh, yeah. and I've I've only used them indoors. And these are treated. What they do is they take the lumber, the veneer lumber, and they treat it with pressure-treated chemicals prior to making the beam or the mm. or the post or whatever it is. So it's 100% treated right through to the core um, because they treat each veneer before gluing it all together. So, Mike, the answer to the question is yes. Um, yes, treated um, in engineered wood is available, a little more expensive. Weigh the differences between the two, and you should be able to make a good decision on that. Let's get another one in here from Vienna in uh, Wyoming. I would like to install a wood plank flooring. However, the floor is currently covered with old 9 by 9 tiles that I think contain asbestos. Must I remove the tiles, or can I put down the new floor right over it? Joe, we've talked about disturbing asbestos is not good. That's right. Encapsulating it is perfectly acceptable. What I would do is, if it were mine, um, I would um, very carefully clean the floor, uh, make sure you're using plenty of water and, and and a cleaner because you don't want it to be airborne. Once you get it clean, then you can go right down over it with your wood plank floor, nailing it down, gluing and nailing it is always better, and you can move right along with it. But what you don't want to do is disturb and allow that asbestos to get airborne. Uh, a lot of people are concerned about that, but many of the tiles like yes. this really have a very low percentage of asbestos. Yes, the, the tile and the uh, adhesive is often, often contains um, asbestos. Yeah, I agree. You can certainly go right over it. Um, the one thing I would change is I think I would probably put down uh, a floating engineered wood floor. This way you don't aren't disturbing yeah, that's true. It at that's all. True. You put down an underlayment, very thin foam rubber underlayment, and put the flooring on top. It floats right over it. This way you don't have to, you have no concern about nailing it, maybe creating any kind of dust or anything else. So um, that's what I'd do. Hey, coming up, it's Simple Solution Time. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Duck Brand Weatherization Products. And welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio Show, where it's time for our simple solution. Joe, have you got one teed up for us today? Just for you, Danny. I'll I'll share it with the audience. Here's how to yank out a nail after the nail head has been snapped off. And those are the most challenging nails to remove, right? And and here's the, here's a simple solution. You want to slip the hammer's claw around the exposed nail shaft and then take a pair of vice grips, which are generically known as locking pliers. And you want to do is clamp that onto the nail shaft very close, like right up against the claw of the hammer. And then you slowly pull back on the hammer handle until the nail starts to pull out. And then depending on the length of the nail and how much is actually in the wood, sometimes you have to reposition the hammer claw, lower the pliers down. And then usually if you have to do the, you only have to do that once, reposition it just once, then pull out the nail. And by the way, this also works if you need to pull out a, um, a finishing nail, which you know has barely any head on it at all. And sometimes the claw of the hammer slips off of it. So you just use the clamping plier along with the hammer to pull out those nails. 
Oh, that's another good, simple solution. You know, something that reminds me of is something that uh, I have in my shop that's nothing more than a little three, three inch by three inch piece of thin plywood. It's only like quarter of an inch and so forth. And I always keep one or two of those handy because anytime you're pulling something out like that, you don't want to indent the wood yeah, you right. know, with yeah. your hammer or so forth. And boy, that's just so handy to have it just slip it right under there, protects the wood, maybe gives you even a little more force to pull those nails out. But that can be so aggravating when you when you break those nails like that and you just can't get them out. You end up gouging the wood and, yeah, yeah. and all of that. So uh, yeah, and it seems like the good. nails these days bend and the heads pop off more frequently than they used to. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I know it's it. just me, but. Sure seems like it. I know it exactly. I want to remind you where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show. Even though we're not on broadcast television anymore, we decided to stop that part of it and concentrate on our streaming platforms. And we're on a lot of platforms, you know, just like Freevee. Pluto, Roku. If you have an LG TV, we have our own channel, 476 and many, many others. The easiest way to find out where you can see almost 600 episodes of the Today's Homeowner television show is to head over to todayshomeowner.com slash stream. Boy, those audiences are getting bigger and bigger every single week. And then, you know, um, people really appreciate, you know, very realistic um, home improvement. You know, there's a lot of shows out there that get a little wild and get a little dramatic and things like that. And I guess people like that kind of entertainment from time to time. But we have found and we have proven that the biggest group of people, the biggest group of homeowners in America really like to keep things straight. And I'm glad that uh, we've been a part of that, Joe. For 25 years. And all 25 years are available, right? Streaming, like all 25 yeah. uh, seasons. Oh, yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, people are always looking for you know, a little entertainment, but for a show like this, you want to get some advice out of it. And especially because most of the projects are very doable and we're not talking about, you know, having to refinance your house and sell everything you own in order to, you know, to improve your house or fix it up. So, yeah. And, and the great thing about, you know, there used to be a term, um, what was it, um, about TV, appointment TV, like you have right, to, if you want right. to watch this show, it's on Thursday at eight o'clock. Those days are gone. If you want to watch sure something, is, yeah. Yeah, anytime you we've want. All, we've Anywhere all got now. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you mean I have to be sitting there at 7 o'clock? No, <laughs> I've got things to do. Got things you to know? do. And, and even those traditional shows like that, you still can DVR it. And That's right. And then watch it whenever whenever you want. So um, so even though at the end of the year we'll be wrapping up the today's Home Auto Radio show, we're going to um, you know be able to do all of the streaming that we're talking about as well as todayshomeowner.com. You know, additional content's going on there every single day. So that's a will continue to be your resource. And of course, checking in with Chelsea. Chelsea's website and blog is still going strong. She's got a lot of great information on that and more to come and a pretty ambitious plan for next year. Hey, you, you've been listening to the first hour of today's homeowner radio so happy that you were able to spend some time with us and we hope to see you again real soon 